good. Okay, cool. I'm not going to click it till we get going. Oh, and we're going now. Wow. Welcome we're to go- the show, folks. What's up? Yeah, that's right. We're going. In an uncertain world, we are continuing on, brave listener. This is the show. <laughs> this is the show that doesn't know when to quit, and uh, we wouldn't recognize it if we saw it. We know how to ask the tough questions, like, should we record a podcast today? And the answer is, yes, probably we should. Yeah, we should probably get that together. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I've been looking stuff up for the podcast, and uh, I was trying to find some happy news, but you slid this into the group chat, and now I'm bummed out because I, this seems like a huge international incident. It would seem like Trump has a bunch of Israel's treasures, and I got to tell you, <laughs> I got to tell you, I can't uh, stand for that. <laughs> It's a problem. I know. It's it's so unfair that there's just a Cheeto out there evading justice. Not only is he allowed to steal, you know, democracy from the American people, but he's allowed to steal stuff from the nation of Israel. Like steal their what does he have? Like some kind of ceremonial ancient ceramic oil lamps. Uh yeah, something else. Oh, for use in a Hanukkah candlelighting event at the White House. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, We're having a Hanukkah thing at the White House. Why don't you send over some of your priceless artifacts? from israel uh that you definitely stole from whoever was there before you i'm gonna go ahead and guess palestinians uh and then probably yeah (laughs) you send them over here and then the article says like the white house was concerned that they wouldn't be able to return the artifacts through typical shipping channels and that they didn't even display the lamps in the first place because they were worried about the connotation (laughs) and that some of them might have been stolen from palestine which obviously they were so the move <laughs> was, you're like, hey, Israel, send us your oil lamps. We're going to display them. Actually, we're not going to display them. We're scared of the implication. Also, we can't send them back. We are worried they will get lost or damaged. So now <laughs> they've migrated from the White House and are reportedly at Mar-a-Lago along with, I guess, a bathroom full of documents and a bunch of other shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just like a hilarious next step because it's like, yeah, it's like a believable story that you're like, okay, you know, a lot of shipping was tangled up. Like, remember there was like three months when you could not order toilet paper on the internet to like save your life. You just like mm-hmm. had to use whatever toilet paper you could find. So they were like, oh, we can't ship these right now. You know, they're not really a priority. We'll get around to them. But uh, then Donald Trump moved with them. And I feel like it's like once you if you borrowing something from a friend, like you're borrowing a book and then you move and it goes with you to your new place. Like at that point, it's not like, you forgot to give it back. At that point, you kind of stole it because you specifically yeah. moved somewhere else with it and packed it up and unpacked it. Well, it's like, you know, I remember the thing where Hobby Lobby had like a bazillion, I think it was like 3,800 artifacts uh, that mm-hmm. belonged rightfully to Iraq. But like they bought those on the market and like sourced them out specifically. I think they did also engage in like some shady shit and stole a bunch of them. Oh, yeah, they sure, smuggled yeah. them out. Right. Okay. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm sure with stuff like that, the line is kind of blurry anyway. It's sort of like you buy them from someone and it's like, well, how did they get them? And maybe they bought it from someone. How did that person get them? Right. You go, you go deep enough. You probably discover crimes. Well, and I think one of the guys from the Hobby Lobby, like, uh, ownership family was like related to the U S military involvement in Iraq in some way as well. Cause oh, you know, really? like, all these executives. Yeah. Um, uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that was part of the the situation. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't I mean, it's see like this. A... <laughs> what oh, happened? I... Oh, I, I was just looking up the Hobby Lobby stuff to refresh my memory. 
And it says here in October 26, 2022, Hobby Lobby CEO announces he is giving away company. Quote, I chose God. <laughs> what? Yeah. So is this one of those things where he's uh, giving it to charity to like not have to pay a bunch of taxes or something? Oh, yeah, almost certainly. So here it's based on Patagonia's founder recently made news when he gave away the ownership in his company to allow the mission. And purpose oh, right. To that's what I'm tech. thinking of. Yeah. And that's precisely what he did. So the Hobby Lobby mm. guy was just like, oh, man, I can get some PR for giving away my company. Look like I'm living like an ascetic follower of Christ or whatever. Uh, but in actuality, yeah. it's really a way for me to keep more of my money. Oh, yeah. This is like the exact same uh, formulation, even, where it's like put into a trust that his family can control. That was what the Patagonia guy did, and it seems like this is exactly the same setup. 100% of the company's voting stock has been moved to a trust where the steward uh, stewardship can continue to pass on to one person from another. Uh, yeah, that's funny. That's a, I mean, it's a good scam if they let you do it. Yeah, I mean, can I do that with just like my stuff? Because I saw this once on a Facebook post. Welcome to Beep Beep Lettuce, by the way, everybody, your favorite show where we recount our favorite things we've seen on Facebook. And I saw a thing <laughs> on Facebook that was like, you know, life hack. Don't give your inheritance directly to your children in your will. Set up a trust mm -hmm. and then that can't be taxed as inheritance tax because it's technically its own living entity in like a legal sense. Yeah. And I always just thought, like, how fucking rich do you have to be to be scrolling through Facebook and be like, oh, wow, good advice. Like, I feel like anybody who's wealthy enough to use that. Like, okay, <laughs> here's the thing. If I die and I have one child and I die and I yeah. have 15 grand in the bank account, how much is it going to cost to set up the trust? Like, is it, is it even going to be fucking worth it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, that kind of like presupposes that you have like an attorney on retainer like you have your own personal attorney that like mm -hmm. handles shit for you you can just call him and be like hey dave can you spin up a trust for me this weekend or something um i mean also i feel like average people will often talk about like instead of like letting someone inherit something just like giving it to them as a gift like their grandparents like giving mm -hmm. them jewelry or furniture or whatever because then it's not like being passed down through a legal mechanism it's kind of just like you're giving it to them and then it doesn't have to like <laughs> be declared doesn't have to like and that's kind of just like the middle class version of uh putting it in a trust is just like here take this and don't tell uncle sam about it i don't think yeah. he's gonna find out that you got a diamond ring for me when your dad's like just fucking doubled over with sciatica and both hips wheezing from nine packs a day of cigarettes at 45 and he's like i'm probably gonna die in like six years <laughs> and he's being really generous he's like i'm probably gonna die in like six years so just take this car now so you don't get taxed on it. And it's like a fucking busted Miata. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically asking you to solve one of his problems for him and like deal with his fucking lemon that needs repairs. <laughs> That's like my dad. Like he, he, he and his wife were like, oh, you guys got a house. You got to come over to the shed and pick out what stuff you want out of the shed. And I got over there and I quickly realized it wasn't nearly as much about me needing things for my house as about them needing things out of the fucking shed. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, you know, my, my sheds behind my house are not going to store all of your junk that you just don't have the heart to throw <laughs> away. They're filling up fast, too. Yeah, those sheds are going to need to handle my own shit. Yeah. But it's so funny. Like, you know, I have uh, the idea of giving away stuff as you get into your older age so you don't have to deal with it. I mean, it's very practical, but it's also like a little bit bleak. Like, you got to have an iron 
you gotta have an iron will to be like, yeah, I'll probably be dead soon. Here, take this. You know, <laughs> it's kind of wild. And it just reminds me of it, like, is, it I, is weird. Yeah. I, I have a couple family members who are considering retirement right now. They both have dates where it's like, this is the earliest I can take retirement. And all I hear sure, them yeah. saying is like, it'd be so nice to have a little safety net, a little bit extra. What would I do all day? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I swear to God, if you don't fucking retire, you're going to die in that office. And then they're yeah. like, oh, you know, people retire and then they die right away. And I'm like, those are workaholics. Those are people who like of their own free will for whatever fucking reason, work 12 hours a day, six days a week. If you don't do mm -hmm. that, it might be a good idea to retire as soon as it is available to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's just, that's just because people like work is their hobby. They have no other hobby mm -hmm. or like real identity, which is horrifying. And so they stop working and then they kind of feel like a, a shell of a person. And then if that's your identity, when you don't have a, have a job to go to, then uh, yeah, maybe keep working. Otherwise you might die. Or if you mm -hmm. really like it and it doesn't actually feel like it's, you know, an albatross around your neck, maybe keep going, but like maybe also just like take up bird watching or take up golf or something mm -hmm. like find a thing to uh, do with your days that isn't working. Well, my, okay. my aunt was talking about that and she's like, you know, uh, she's been a public employee for like 38 years. She's coming up on retirement that she can take in like September, I think. And she was like, you know, my financial advisor was telling me this cause she's, you know, they don't have any kids, so they have a lot of money. Uh, and she sure. was like, my financial advisor was telling me this, uh, that this is the time in your life that you've been saving all of that money for. So if you don't have any yeah. kids, it's probably a good idea to start spending it before you're on your way into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. It's like, if you got, if you don't have anyone else to take care of, why not? Uh, yeah. Enjoy it. I don't know. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, you know, me and my siblings are her only nieces and nephews. So if she wants to just hold on to it until she eventually gives it to us, that's fine with me. But honestly, it would hurt my heart more <laughs> than if she just spent <laughs> a bunch of it on herself in the meantime. I mean, I would I would feel better about that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people like that, too, who like, especially if you don't have kids, like you've been saving money for your whole life and then you're like, let's spend some of it like they're not going to spend all of it. Like no one who's been fr frugal for that long could actually bring themselves to just like blow all their money. It probably is like in nice investment accounts. They'll take some and like travel or buy stuff they want to do or mm -hmm. I don't know, rent a beach house for a summer or something. They'll still have plenty of money to give to you guys later. I mean, that's the thing. They have simple ambitions. They're like quintessential uh, rural Michigan folk. They live in a log cabin in the Allegan Woods, oh, wow, and nice. they got electricity in 1996. They got, oh my God. they got TV and internet just in the last 10 fucking years. And like, wow. <laughs> you know, she dispatches for a public bus system, and he builds houses from the ground up and then sells them. And mm. like their their idea of a lavish vacation is they pack the dogs into the truck and they drive to North Dakota. So I don't think, <laughs> even if they really exercise their imaginations to the fullest, they could figure out how to spend a lifetime of fucking savings. <laughs> yeah. What would you do? Like, yeah. That, these sound like the kind of people who'd be like, all right, I think we're going to really splurge on this trip. We're going to get an extra night in the, uh, the best Western. And yeah. the, the suite that, it, that allows dogs where it's like a $20 extra dog fee or whatever. Yeah. My, she, my aunt was like, she was like, should we just start staying at nicer hotels? 
And I'm like, that's not going to spend your money fast enough. Like it would spend my money pretty fast. It's not going to spend 38 years of public employment money, you know, uh, getting your house essentially for free. They got their land by squatting on it for seven years until it became theirs under like public title. They have a common law marriage. They're doing everything like as lean as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Did did he just build the house? Your your uncle, like, because he built he builds houses, so they just like yeah. built a house on the land, and then they, okay, they just went into the Allegan Woods. They built a house far enough off the the dirt road that people wouldn't like really notice that it was there. And then I think this law is <laughs> off awesome. the books now, but up until the mid or late nineties in Michigan, if you lived on a piece of land for seven years and could prove it, you were automatically allotted something like up to four acres around the of unclaimed land around where you settled um that that kind of land just doesn't even fucking exist anymore in this part of michigan but i think they built that house in like 1981 or something so it was a little different back then i was gonna say who owned the land when they settled that is it just sort of like owned by the state and like not really put to any particular use or owned by the county or something yeah i think it's it was technically like de facto public land that um Mm -hmm. just like nobody that it just hadn't been commercialized yet because the allegan woods aren't really suitable for logging uh and i think also there was like a protective order that banned logging from i i don't know all of the legislative history of michigan i just know they figured out how to get some land for basically free (laughs) and then he built a house on it for the price of materials and his own labor and they've lived in uh-huh. it for, you know, God, 42 years, if my estimate is correct. God, <laughs> that's kind of awesome. Just like finding a big old loophole and strolling right through. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the that's the Michigan way for sure. That's mm-hmm. I mean, I think all Americans want to like get one over on the man. But the the Midwestern way to do it is you literally you're just like, OK, the legal code says if we find land nobody is using and isn't claimed, we can just live on it. And then retroactively, that's ours. And then you just go do that like some kind of deranged cheese farmer who's found a particularly good patch to graze his cows. <laughs> yeah imagine just like walking around in the woods by a dirt road and you're like seems like a good enough spot and you just start hammering together logs and planks and shit yeah it's wild they have like they like complain because like eventually a fire station popped up like four or five not even that close to their house mm-hmm. okay four or five yeah, yeah. miles away and they're just like, we, <laughs> we miss the peace and quiet i'm like I, I just moved to fucking bloomingdale and i live maybe a a half a mile to a quarter mile away from a fire department that's just light mm-hmm. that's just how it is yeah yeah it's probably like three blocks because they're out in those like huge michigan country blocks mm-hmm. where it's like each block is like a half a mile yeah you take a walk around the block you'll be back in two hours yeah <laughs> yeah that's what it was like where, where my parents still live it's like uh because it's on it's on the dirt road so it's like mm-hmm. the next like road that turns anywhere is a it's a ways away well, what I kind of like about where I live is really interesting is like if you drive 20 to 30 minutes in any direction, you will reach a medium to small city. Like if I drive okay. north, I'm in Allegan. If I drive west, I'm in South Haven. If I drive south, I'm in Paw Paw. If I drive east, I'm in Kalamazoo. Uh, but it's like if I don't reach any of those four cities, everything around me is towns of like. 2000 people or less mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really fucking nice it's so quiet and i can see every fucking star in the sky that's awesome 
Yeah, well, before I get to the point where I'm just bragging about my sick yard and all the sick starlight <laughs> I get. Oh, we were talking about deranged cheese farmer behavior. So this oh, yeah. is a great Speaking time for Dutch. our <laughs> Dutch watch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you brought this to our attention in the group chat. And I was fascinated by this because it seems to be hinging on a simple typo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so there's a story uh, from the Financial Times. Typo leaked millions of U.S. military emails to Mali web operator. And so I guess for a long time now, the U.S. military has had .mil as the suffix, like I guess like whatever general at something .mil. But then the country of Mali has the .ml domain. And uh, mm. apparently for years, people have been... This is what's confusing to me because it's like, I feel like, I don't know how often I type in an email address like by hand i, I kind of just like start typing someone and it's like autofills or like well, they're well, in my address book or something i mean put yourself in the shoes of a nearly retired 63 year old general whose entire chest <laughs> is just covered in in pieces of metal that indicate how fancy he is yeah so apparently that guy or guys like him have been when they meant to type dot mil missing the i and just typing dot m dot ml and then so those emails were like I don't know if they were just like ending up on servers in Mali or like going to people in Mali or something, but uh, it's it's not as secure as .mil, and so just like military information and secrets and shit has been sent to unsecure emails for I think like a decade. Like somebody warned about this years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody nobody like did anything about it. Yeah, the the article says this is the Dutch connection here that Johannes Zurbier who is a Dutch internet entrepreneur, had a 10-year contract to manage Molly's country domain. But this (laughs) Dutch guy's contract is set to expire pretty soon. And he has been sending lots and lots of official emails and and correspondence, (laughs) both on his own and through the Malian government, which is, if you don't know where that is, it's a landlocked country in West Africa. It's really big. And um, it doesn't have a lot of people in it. And he has been just pleading the U.S. government, like, please fix this leak, because pretty soon I'm not going to be in charge of Mali's Internet anymore. The Malian (laughs) government is. And they're pretty tight with Russia because Russia keeps showing up and giving them loans that are more favorable than the IMF does. (laughs) It seems really it seems really disingenuous to call this a leak. Yeah, this is something they're sending it on purpose. Yeah, that's like saying <laughs> that's like saying if they were like walking down the street and just like dropped a, a military secret and a piece of paper on the ground that it was leaked. They just dropped it. They gave it to people. No, 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 yeah. no, no. That's that true. would that would if that they would put be, it in someone's that mailbox. Would be le- that would be more on accident. <laughs> <laughs> this would be like they saw a guy who kind of looked like the guy they thought they were supposed mm. to give it to and then handed it to him. Oh, said, you're saying it's like in, in Home Alone 2, uh, Lost in New York, when he sees the back of a guy's head, and he's like, that's my dad. This is the flight I'm supposed to be on. Yeah, or like... If sure. You, <laughs> it's like that. If you were like filling out uh, um, an internet form to put something on a billboard, and you had to enter your social security number in order to access your account, so you copied it to your clipboard and you pasted it, and then you went to go copy the body of the stuff that you wanted on the, the billboard, but your control C didn't actually take. And so you end up copying your social security number into the body of the clipboard 
in, in the body <laughs> of the billboard. And now, boom, you've ordered 150 billboards across Indiana and Illinois with your social security number on them. And you start posting on Facebook. I have been hacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is like that. Yeah. It, but, you know, you have to, like, take other steps. You had to have been doing that. You'd have to have been sending your social security number to a billboard company and then <laughs> entering your credit card number for some reason. Like there's, they had to, they keep doing it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Also- it says he's collect, he's collected what a hundred, he holds close to 117,000 misdirected <laughs> messages. Almost a thousand arrived on Wednesday alone. So he just is like documenting it and pleading like, Hey, stop sending your shit. It's just <laughs> like when military officials, like generals, like check into a hotel. So it's just like, Hey, any government that wants to know, we got a general in this Hyatt from May 12th to May 23rd. Yeah. Have fun. I like how Go they post it. the information. <laughs> like they post the leak. We don't need to know this. <laughs> it's it's old, right? We don't need to know that Mr. Robert Hilton was and Colonel Phil Kinnery was were at a grand Hyatt in where is this? Uh USDAO VIPs room booking. Um Whatever. It's like, too late yeah. to go there and kick them in the nuts. It has so. the room numbers. Holy shit. <laughs> it has the dates and the room numbers. All you would have to do is book a room in this hotel, get a room It probably service. has their secret names, too. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, we're going by Daffy Duck or whatever. Davy <laughs> yeah. Jones and Martha yeah. Stewart. Yeah. Sir Mix-a-Lot is in 1912. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I didn't realize Sir Mix-a-Lot was white and 65. It's, interesting. Yeah. it's also so funny because I'm wondering, like, okay, he's got 117,000 emails. They're a security threat, whatever. What about the intended recipients of those emails who are now waiting on what is supposedly necessary and classified information <laughs> to arrive in their inboxes? Are they sending follow-up requests like, hey, still didn't get that thing you were supposed to send? Uh, how's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't even think out of about ammo. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, like we a, are hopelessly boxed in. Please send help. There's like fucking lanyard dicks who are getting their getting fired because they didn't like send room service to Colonel John T. Kirk's like yeah. room because they didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. I John mean, a T. lot of Kirk them probably a request just... for a prime roast dinner to Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just the prime minister of Mali is like, I'm sorry, sir. We uh we cannot send a steak all that way. <laughs> it's and also what is re- Mali doing with that? I don't know. Well, the the thing is, is this guy, this Dutch guy who runs the internet contract, has basically been like sending these messages to the U.S. government and saying like, I am the only thing. Me, one Dutch guy, is the only thing standing between these emails and the Malian government, who is probably more than willing to just hand over whatever the fuck they want to Russia because Russia has helped them a lot. Unsurprisingly, that's a pretty powerful. <laughs> well, yeah, motivation. this would be great. This would be a a boon for them. Uh, this is like. Just stumbling across a nice treasure chest in Diablo. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, wow. I, I wonder if the article doesn't exactly detail. 7,000 like, gold. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. What a, I, I got a really high roll on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't specify like how it's going wrong exactly. So I wonder like, because, you know, if you're, if you're trying to send like to chief of staff at like dot M-I-L and send, you send it to chief of staff at dot M-L. It's possible like no one actually has that email address or like if they do, they don't really check it. It's not actually active. So maybe they just kind of like end up in a uh, 
kind of like trash can type thing that this guy has access to because he's the one running the database where it's like, hey, there's a bunch of misdirected email. Like maybe if there's a bunch of like the same typo, you can like redirect them or something. So they just kind of end up on a server that he has access to. And he's just like, the server is not secure in the same way the .mil is. So you're just like leaving them you're leaving your dick hanging in the wind if anyone wants to go looking for it. Well, I bet it does exist, and it's probably some kid. Hmm, maybe, yeah. I mean, I have, like, the most common man's name email address. I have, <laughs> I guess I can say this. I have johnhawks at gmail.com. So everybody in the country whose name is John Hawks and is over 45 years old I get their email. (laughs) (laughs) And very often it'll just be like, John, can you please sign these confidential contracts or whatever? (laughs) And, you know, I don't ever log into it because I made it as a joke when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you would have it anymore, if you would need some kind of like old phone that you don't have. No, no, I have. I I can log into it right now and look at it. Really? And sign a bunch of documents that make me the brand new owner of a $3 million home in Palm Springs, Florida. (laughs) It really is like that important. (laughs) And I don't, this, like people are doing stuff and they're old. I mean, they must be, right? Mm -hmm. Probably Mm -hmm. old. So they're doing stuff and then writing the wrong email because their email address can't possibly be that because I have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've had it for a long time. So yeah. how could it be so their they're like forgetting address? that they're John Hawks 63 or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, do you think Johannes Zerbier ever like typed up a really long, really fucking important email to the Pentagon and was like, finally, I can let them know that they have so many missed emails coming to Maui. And then he sends it and like no response, no response, no response. And then one day he's checking the giant inbox of misdirected email. And it turns out he typed dot ML instead of M-I-L and sent an email <laughs> to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's so funny. I, I also like how it uh, it it says that he like got some legal advice on like what to do with it before talking to the Financial Times, and he also mm-hmm. told the Times that he gave his wife a copy of the legal advice, quote, just in case the black helicopters landed in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does yeah, it I say mean- there about the PKK? Yeah, one of them uh, was says, further down? one FBI agent with a naval role sought to forward six messages to their military email and accidentally dispatched them to Mali. One included an urgent Turkish diplomatic letter to the U.S. State Department about possible operations by the militant Kurdistan Workers Party, the PKK, against <laughs> Turkish interests in the U.S. It says, quote, the embassy received credible information that the PKK slash YPG terrorist organization and its branches are planning to block, disturb and occupy the offices and branches of Turkish airlines in the United States. What happened? <laughs> did, I don't think they did it. <laughs> I think I would have <laughs> heard, like heard about that. About that. <laughs> <laughs> the same person also forwarded a series of briefings on domestic U.S. terrorism marked, quote, for official use only, and a global counterterrorism assessment headlined, not releasable to the public or foreign governments. <laughs> That's so funny. Sending uh, well, this directly to Mali. Straight to Mali. <laughs> It's literally a foreign government, my guy. Uh, this is It's so funny, too, because it's like, it's not like this is people slacking off on, like, they're not cutting corners on something that is, like, ostensibly unimportant or, like, stupid. They're just, like, they're they're making typos and not double-checking the email address on stuff that says for official use only, like, military secrets. Yeah. So how is, like, it's just, I mean, it speaks well, to, like, the pathetic nature of our military in general. We might have the most funded military, but, like, that's the only most it probably qualifies as yeah, i'm watching a tiktok 
<laughs> I was watching a TikTok, so I don't know how true this is. This is just some guy on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But he was saying he used to work at a call center mm-hmm. for a website. And he would consistently get old people being like, I don't know my password. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you got to reset the password. And they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> and they'd be like, well, click the password and then it'll send you an email. And he's like, well, how am I supposed to get to the email? My email's on my phone and I'm talking to you. <laughs> Just like absolute dullards who don't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> They don't know how to reset a password. They've been on the internet and they have emails, but their kids set them up for them. So it's mm-hmm. like press the fucking compass button and that'll take you to your websites and then <laughs> press the, I don't know. I don't know how iPhones work or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But they don't know anything. It's probably a lot of people like that who work at places like the FBI. I mean, it's like, you know, when you think of like the kind of, like you said, dullards and idiots, they get attracted to like working for the military or the FBI or the police Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Or just be, I mean, just being older. Like, I mean, you know, if you don't have any conception of what is actually happening when we're talking about like data and the internet, like what Mm -hmm. it is, you're just completely uneducated and you're too old to learn and too stubborn. And you're too in a position of power to learn. Mm-hmm. You're going to do stupid shit like this. Well, yeah, that's, yeah like, that is the thing. If, if you want to like... He put probably th- has his password and the email address like <laughs> in a notebook that he carries around and then like types pecking style on his mm-hmm. phone. Mm-hmm. Hold, holding the phone at arm's L. length while looking down through, uh, through cheaters pecking it in. Yeah, so he misses the eye. <laughs> So they call him like reading glasses. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think if you if you want to take the time and effort to like learn a new thing and be humble, like I think you could master email. My grandpa was born in like fucking the 20s, I think, like late 20s. And he emailed all the time. He emailed throughout his whole career. You know, he learned how, how emails and computers worked. He wrote you're some, right. I'm not trying to be ageist, but I'm saying yeah. if you're old and an idiot, it's yeah, worse. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just I was thinking about it because it's like he was someone I knew who used email a lot. So it's well, like you I, can learn. But if you're I, a dumbass, you won't learn. And if you're really old, you're probably fairly wealthy, which is, makes it almost certain that you're an absolute fucking moron. So there's a, yeah. <laughs> we're not trying to be ageist, but there are a lot of factors happening late in life. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're old. You're in the U.S. military. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of strikes against you. Yeah, not doing so great. But you know how like some countries have just like that one thing that makes them stand out. Like nobody can fucking touch them on this one thing the swiss are like oh we make watches and the the chile and argentina are like we have literally all the copper in the world if you need copper mm-hmm. you have to come to us Do you japan think of like, with video games mm-hmm. yeah and uh, south korea with literally every technological device in the entire world because samsung <laughs> is like the biggest company fucking ever um uh, I think they're bigger than Yamaha now. Uh, but anyway, uh, what if what if Molly's thing was just like we have all the state secrets, like we have all the military <laughs> intelligence, we know everything. You think Saudi Arabia and Israel are power brokers? Wait until you've beheld the power of Molly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't count uh, the state secrets collections of like USA. Uh, sites yeah client states <laughs> client states you gotta as far as like independent and not like not client u.s client states molly is going crazy mm-hmm. with the amount of secret state secrets they have <laughs> yeah honestly respect i hope they can spin this up into some kind of grift and you know like maybe get more favorable loans they're the sonic the fox of collecting state secrets <laughs> <laughs> 
Hell yeah. Well, that's a great take. I love that. I love that for <laughs> Molly. I hope that I hope that nobody listens to this Dutch guy and he just like screams uh, into the void until his job is over. And then he gets to have a big I told you so moment, which will surely be very satisfying for everyone. <laughs> Probably will cash in on a, writing a book or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I, I just re- I just realized that like all they would have to do is like. If you work for the mill, like if you have access to this email address, you're like being issued a phone or laptop almost certainly, right? Like you're not just going to Best Buy, buying a phone and then sending military emails. On yes, that. for sure. Yeah. So no, they could just make a little pop. They could make a pop up that's like, hey, you wrote .ml. Is that really the email address you meant to write it to? And then they would go, oh, shit. Or they could just not allow their servers to send yeah. to fucking Molly. It's yeah. great. You could literally I mean, we are making fun Molly's of the like individual DPIP freaks board. who do yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly why are they allowed to send it there i don't know that's that's like the crazy thing like uh there was a security breach at my wife's work when one of the employees sent sensitive information to their own hotmail account and i remember thinking like why is that email server allowed to send things to hotmail then <laughs> how could that possibly be necessary ever yeah doesn't make any fucking sense uh, and as long as we're talking about things that don't make any fucking sense, are we all familiar with who David Sedaris is? Brother of Amy Sedaris, notable uh, <laughs> so I am. best-selling yeah, sure. author. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I saw yeah, him big once. Time, uh, yeah, this, this American Life yeah. guest. Big NPR. Yes. Kind of John kind of energy. Yeah, my, he- my, my mom and, and the same aunt I was talking about earlier took me to see him once in Pittsburgh, and they were so hungover they could not even eat at the Greek restaurant we went to beforehand. And then he was super rude to them about it. And I remember thinking, if David Sedaris can't handle two hungover white women in their 50s, then who is he writing books for? Um, (laughs) But anyway. I read a couple of his books when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. uh, just because I was the type of kid who, you know, if it was on the bestseller list, I was like, well, let's see what the freaks are reading. Um, are let's, give, let's give uh, a million found... tiny pieces a try. Can't wait to check out The Kite yeah. Flyer. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I read fucking Da Vinci Code. I remember The Da Vinci sure. Code. What a dog shit book. It was Timeline by Michael Crichton. That's a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. Behold a Pale Horse. That um, was a great one. <laughs> I don't think I know what that one That's is. That's a joke. That's a conspiracy theory ass book that never hit the bestseller list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think that's something else. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there he he tells very like. It's funny because as a kid, I didn't understand that they were supposed to be funny ever. Mm, okay. Like they were like kind of just witty in a way they're very dry it's very very like it's, new yorker kind of comedy where you're like oh oh well it makes oh, a David. lot more sense when you hear him read them yeah like yeah. when well, i heard when i grew up and when i was in college and he was on npr and was like reading it and like whole crowd is laughing at his droll wit i was like oh yeah, yeah. i see it makes but, sense in, in a way he's but like sometimes he, they're he's kind like of moving. evil mike judge Cause like when I was a kid and I watched <laughs> King of the Hill and I was like, this is not a comedy. This is a drama about a family and I don't like it. And then as an adult, I was like, oh, I get it now. This is basically my favorite show that's ever been on television. And right, uh, you gotta have the, some life experience for it to make sense. Right. But the opposite happens with David Sedaris. I was like, I'm pretty sure people like this cause it's good. And then I got older and I was like, I'm pretty sure people like this cause they're insulated morons. <laughs> <laughs> Seems reasonable. I mean, they are like real slice of life animes ass stories. Mm-hmm. Like even the best ones I can remember are just about like 
how putting my dog down affected my father, mm-hmm. which is like, okay. Yeah. What was his early This American Life one was like working as a mall Santa or something or like working in the, like with a mall Santa, something about that. It was kind of just like a, a, a portrait of an experience of a, like, it's, it's really mundane the, experience. The germ of the kind of brain worms that would end up with people doing stand up routines that are like, I brushed my teeth with foot cream. How crazy is that? Like, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like, he, he just like, I've often thought about this because, you know, you think like, oh, I should start a Substack or whatever. And it's like, well, what should I write about? And it's like, well, I saw that guy at the store do that weird thing. And it's like, you know, I, <laughs> Is anybody really going to want to read like a 16 page like Lacanian breakdown of why that guy scratched his ass? I don't think so. Like, so. Yes, actually. The thing about writing is that you have to just like turn off the part of your brain that cares what people will like. Yeah. It's just about like doing it because you're doing it and then posting it because you're posting it. Well, let's and then examine- people will uh, read it. Let's examine the dangers of that strategy by reading what David Sedaris has written. So this is this is what he wrote. It says, Neither Amy nor I care about the news anymore, at least the political news. I am vaguely aware that Andrew Cuomo has fallen out of favor and that people who aren't me will be receiving government checks for some reason or other, but that's about it. When Trump was president, I started every morning by reading the New York Times, followed by the Washington Post, and would track both papers' websites regularly throughout the day. To be less than vigilant was to fall behind. And was there anything worse than not knowing what Stephen Miller just said about Wisconsin? My friend Mike likened Hmm. this constant monitoring to having a second job. No last name for Mike. What's the deal, David? Uh, (laughs) It was exhausting. And the moment the judge, perhaps? Maybe. His best friend, Mike Judge. (laughs) (laughs) And the moment that Joe Biden was sworn into office, I let it all go. When the new president speaks, I feel the way I do on a plane when the pilot announces that after reaching our cruising altitude, he will head due north or take a left at Lake Erie. You don't need to sit down. We're going to have some a little turbulence. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's okay. Uncle Uncle Joe's got you. He's flying directly into a storm. It's okay. (laughs) I've done this five times so far. (laughs) Only one person died, and it was not my fault. They they had a heart attack because they were scared. Because you're a pussy, but it's okay. We have to be altitude. We have to maintain altitude. <laughs> <laughs> the captain has announced that if we live through this, he's taking you all out for ice cream. <laughs> I can't do a Joe Biden, so we're going to have to settle for me doing an airplane stewardess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but is it, what is it? So he says, You don't need to tell me about your job. I always think, just, you know, do it classic pithy david sedaris and then he says it's so freeing no longer listening to political podcasts no longer being enraged i still browse the daily skipping <laughs> over the stories about covid as i am finished with all that as well the moment i got really? my okay. first vaccine shot i started thinking of coronavirus the way i think of scurvy something from a long ago time that can no longer hurt me something that mainly pirates get Yes, the papers would say, but what if there's a powerful surge this summer, this Christmas, a year from now? What if our next pandemic is worse than this one? What if it kills all the fish and cattle and poultry and affects our skin's reaction to sunlight? What if it forces everyone to live underground and subsist on earthworms? And then that's that's his big mic drop. <laughs> that's where the quote ends. Uh, <laughs> so I have kind of split feelings on this because it didn't help him before being anxious about Trump. I was thinking about that too. Like, yeah. It's like, I do kind of agree with that, that it's like, I, I, I don't, th- if you can't like, why are you reading about COVID? 
Like, it's not going to help you. It's not going to, you can't do anything about it. So like, I think the, the problem is his reasoning. His reasoning is like, well, nothing is that bad. We got a good one now, so it's all fine. I guess it really is that like the vaccine happened and Joe Biden happened. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I don't need to give a shit anymore. Not yeah. like I realized I was causing myself mental illness uh-huh. <laughs> by like reading the news and just like having deep anxiety and fear over everything in my life for no reason. So I stopped. Mm-hmm. That's a reasonable thing to say, I think. Yeah. The problem is, is that his reasoning is... I stopped because I don't need to worry anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, uh, which is like, I guess he's, he's a wealthy New Yorker. So at any point, did anything that happened to Donald Trump's presidency have anything to do with like, was he ever inconvenienced no. in any way? Or did he just have to look <laughs> at headlines that were specifically designed in a lab to make guys like him go, Oh, this is very not good. And then go online <laughs> in a fucking manic frenzy for 16 hours a day. Like if the Cheeto man is I an impeached man, then I, uh, we're going <laughs> to make Apple Jacks taste like apples. Like, I don't even like what, where is your mind at that point? <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe the country I live in is turning into a dictatorship. <laughs> like, <laughs> what happened to democracy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just like, yeah, but it, it's like people like this can convince themselves like everything's better because I decided to stop stressing myself out and I noticed that like my life was already pretty chill, so I have not much to worry about. Like, it's a, it's like a correct observation that would have probably been equally correct when Trump was president and it was just like, you guys are saying like his social like situation, his, so his sort of like the, his social network of other people was all equally like enraged about Trump. So he just kind of felt like he had to be tapped in. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, what my do you question think, is like, if, if Trump gets reelected, does he go back to taking like a billion points yeah. of psychic <laughs> damage every hour on the hour? Or is he, is there a point where his system is just like, you know what, actually nothing in my life is any fucking different at all. Uh, because one bourgeois politician is the same as the next, especially for <laughs> rich people. Yeah. You know, I do wonder, like, I mean, he doesn't mention watching TV in this one, but like, I've been thinking about how we now have, there's about to be a writer strike and an actor strike. Oh, they're so on. The next year, like they're, they're going. So mm-hmm. six months to a year, like there might be a big dearth of, uh, of stories and TV and, you know, prestige TV for people to watch. And I feel like a lot of people like this, even if they don't admit it, like they love watching their succession and their game of Thrones and like whatever else, like, fancy schmancy TV and then reading about it in the New York Times. So I feel like there might be a lot of people who turn back to the news as a TV show just because Mm -hmm. the actual TV shows and movies aren't getting made. Well, that's very Mm -hmm. astute. And I think it dovetails with the way that David Sedaris quite obviously engages with politics the same way that a WWE fan engages with professional wrestling, which is to say when there's a (laughs) heel that makes your blood boil properly, you get really engaged for a while. (laughs) And then when you're like, oh, I don't really like the cast this season, you just kind of fucking check out. And guess what? Actually, sometimes taking a break from your interests is a huge fucking relief. Take it from somebody who has too many goddamn interests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of like his story without him realizing it points to the issue that like it uh, it can be a virtue and a good thing and enrich your life to like be well read and well educated and like learn stuff about the world. You could argue it's kind of the entire point of 
being human and like developing language is to like understand other people and understand the world you live in better. Good. But we also have this whole like busy box system that like tricks your brain into thinking you're doing that while not really doing that. Like mm-hmm. people like him who like read the post and the times every day while Trump was president it was all just nonsense. It was like, like you said, what did Stephen Miller say about Wisconsin? It was like quotes from idiots that meant nothing that may- maybe they were going to pass a law at some point that will do something. Almost all of it was just noise. There was no like useful information to be gleaned. Nothing that bettered him as a person. Yeah. And it's funny because people will say shit like, well, what about the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned? Like that was a huge deal and really important, but it's like kinda, but also like, we're talking about like pushing the edges of already like trampled on rights. Yeah. Like if we had healthcare in this country at all, we wouldn't be having that conversation. Like Mm -hmm. if the Democrats had any spine at all to write it and like codify it, like we wouldn't have any, we wouldn't be having that conversation at all. Mm -hmm. It's like people want something to dedicate their life to, to like make the world better. And they just don't have anything. And so well, they choose like some tiny like fringe, not even fringe thing, but some like the the edges of their rights to push back on is I, what I, I mean, rather than like engaging in any project to try and actually change anything. Yeah. And there's like a self-limiting kind of aspect to it, too. I think especially if you're conditioned by liberal democracy growing up, uh, you become... <sighs> conditioned to be attracted to projects that are doomed to failure like it's not satisfying (laughs) to do something and get it done like that does that's not the liberal logic it's imperative to them that the boulder must roll back down the (laughs) hill at the end of every day because by god if it's not at the bottom of the hill they're gonna shoot themselves in the head because they wouldn't know what to fucking do and like that's well yeah it drives me nuts sometimes because people are like, oh, I, I wouldn't know how to get involved. I wouldn't know what issues are important. And it's like, literally, just look at your life and be like, which of these things are doomed to failure? Scrap all of those and everything that's left is probably at least worth a shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the problem is, is like, you know, you said like how, people say, I don't know how to get involved. The problem is nothing is going on to be involved in. Oh, true that. Like, I, there's, there's literally no project in the country to make anything better. Yeah, like, in the country is the every, active phrase there, because you could just, like, move to China, but how do you convince them you're an asset to their country? <laughs> I, I can't. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you can flee. Like, you could, you know, be an expat. Like, that's fine. But I think it's, like... Most of the people who stress about this stuff and have like wring their hands about it aren't actually that in danger, I should say. Mm-hmm. Like if people like I'm affected by all of these things. Like, you know, there there's definitely bat like a del- deleterious effects mm-hmm. that um, uh, you know, not having health care or <laughs> uh let's say uh student loan forgiveness or mm-hmm. uh what are all the big pr- projects that people are always yelling about um whatever whatever the big things like yeah they can kind of suck but like mostly i just hang out and play video games and hang out with my friends and do my job like i think that's mostly the kinds of people who are posting about it the kinds of lives they're living <laughs> which yeah. is just like hanging out and doing their job 
and like feeling empty. And it's like, I'm sorry, but shut up. Like, I I don't care. Like, you, you know, we can start learning how to build a working class movement in this country which is light, thankfully starting to happen with a lot of strikes and stuff mm-hmm. and lots of general working movements. Yeah, set your watch um, but for besides, July 31st when the UPS Teamsters uh, strike is set to go off if they don't reach a contract. Yeah. So SAG is now like uh, mm-hmm. in um, solidarity striking with the Writers Guild. Mm-hmm. Well, their, their, their contract has never hasn't well. happened since like... The 30s or something? It's been a long yeah, time, yeah. Their contract was set to come up at the same time as the writers, but SAG granted a two-week extension to the studios, and then the studios just continued to try to fuck them exactly the same as they were before. So, yeah, this is the first right. time both both unions have been on strike at the same time uh, since 1960, when the president of SAG-AFTRA was literally Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wild. Yeah. From Ronald Reagan and to he, Fran Drescher. And right? he supported yeah. it, yeah? Well, no. We, we, there's a really great quote from one of the vice presidents of SAG after who's like, Ronnie had never had an original idea in his life. Everybody had to tell him what to do. Uh, and at that time, he was also <laughs> he was actively working with the uh, intelligence services to undermine the union movement by getting elected to its presidency. So there's a whole, there's a lot of shit going on with old Ronnie Reagan at this mm-hmm. time. But uh, yeah, basically it was out of his hands wow. and like they would have kicked him out of the union if he hadn't endorsed the strike. SAG mm-hmm. has always been fairly militant. I mean, even just give it, I was surprised they gave the studios a two week extension, to be honest. I think they were basically just kind of like having trouble communicating between all of the members because SAG has gotten really, really big. Yeah. I mean, and and Fran Drescher is very popular, right? Yeah, as a as a, as a union boss. Yeah, there were two competing um, slates within SAG after for a long time, and it's, eventually they kind of stopped fighting when they both endorsed Fran Drescher. So she's like leading a <laughs> unified union in a way. Nice. I hadn't thought about John. You mentioned the, like Fran the- Drescher, the new Lenin. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take <Yeah>. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, John, you mentioned that uh the UPS Teamsters might will probably also go on strike on July thirty mm-hmm. first. And imagine the like twin psychic disaster for a lot of Americans if they can't get stories and they can't get their, treats their, and trinkets their packages. delivered. Yeah. My packages. Yeah. I feel like for a lot of people it's like their entire way of life would crumble or at least like become very irritating to them if they're like, now I have to drive to the store to get stuff that I want and I can't get my special stuff delivered and there's nothing new to binge when I come back. I got to binge old stuff. But even that, that, like, I feel like a lot of people understand that it is not the workers and the strike that is causing it. I just feel like there is kind of an understanding among the American people that it is because these people aren't getting paid. I think so. And it's the, and it's this, I feel like generally the population of the U S understands strikes. Like no matter how much like anti Mm -hmm. like union propaganda there's been, I was just thinking actually because of the SAG AFRA, um, uh, strike that when I first went to film school, one of the first things I remember is like one of my teachers being like, because of the union, if you pick up a stinger, and it's mm-hmm. not your job, you could get fired. Isn't that fucking stupid? And everyone was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you were just, like, complaining about the concept of a union? And having, and, like, like, clearly defined job roles. Right. 
And it's like, well, why would I do that? Why would I do more work than I like? I don't know. It really like I had to think about it. Like, is that stupid? Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What if you wanted to volunteer to do extra work and the man wouldn't let you? Like, Can he, you imagine? He was like inventing like scenarios where it was like an emergency, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, someone was gonna that that wire was gonna fall into water and yeah. people would get shocked or something. What if there's gonna like, be a well, terrorist also- attack and Jack Bauer had to pick up that wire? What then? You're gonna stop Jack Bauer from saving the city? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, well, and also Dick. like unions unions make allowances for that kind of stuff. It's just like of if course it's gonna, they do. If it's gonna be a big delay and it's gonna cost the producers a bunch of money, that doesn't qualify as the same kind of emergency as like a live wire falling into water. Or something, despite no matter how much the executives will try and make you believe that them paying people more money is actually a like a national security crisis or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, but I feel like in general, it, I, I, I don't know. I have no data on it, but it feels like I get the sense that like. No matter how much anti-union propaganda there's been, like lots of people in the country mm-hmm. i feel like the majority of the country like understands that you're the boss is at fault the people who aren't paying the the workers are at fault mm-hmm. and you don't get mad at the ups workers for not delivering your packages you get mad at ups well yeah, yeah. And I think it, it feels it's, like it's, the kind of propaganda that's like anti-worker will be a lot harder to get it to stick because people just like have an understanding that that's doesn't make sense yeah and i think it's buffered by the fact that like Uh, people are more sympathetic like it's been harder to turn people against teachers and nurses in particular those are always like big ones the media is like look at these greedy teachers and nurses taking away (laughs) (laughs) patient care and it's like fucking stupid but that has been a lot less effective and then especially with like ups drivers warehouse workers amazon workers a lot starbucks a lot more people have these kinds of jobs than had these jobs before or have yeah. had these jobs at some point in their lives and know how fucking shitty they are. And that's not something that like, cause yeah, like your 65 year old uncle who's like working those jobs is for teenagers. You should get a real job. You've never hiked up your pants and done an honest days in your life. And like those people are dying. Those people have mesothelioma. Like those people are on the way out. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's it, a good point. It's I, like, yeah, everyone's feeling the squeeze, or it's like they, at the very least, like know someone who's feeling the squeeze. Because I feel mm-hmm. like if you're, like Brynn was saying, it's hard to like actually find data on this. But I have a sense that like if you're in America and under thirty, like your social media feed is either full of people who were like starting Starbucks unions or are on, like going on strike or can mm-hmm. barely make rent, or it's like all Andrew Tate. And like whatever other based like fascist nonsense yeah. you end up. You don't in. need a, yeah, you, exactly. you yep. just need to eat raw meat and do a billion push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually had a have a have a have a pet theory that a lot mm. of the anti-trans propaganda is like ways to get people against like medical professionals and teachers. Yeah. Mm. Like a lot of the groom a lot of the groomer stuff oh, like kind yeah. of goes kind of usually ends up about like don't send your kids to public schools because the teachers will try to indoctrinate your kids into (laughs) whatever changing their gender and then like the big pharma is actually trying to like make money off of making your kid trans or whatever and so it ends up being about like doctors and teachers Mm. yep and it's like who who was just striking Mm -hmm. very successfully um what, which, Very which recently, state has been, which, which state has been cracking down the hardest on teacher strikes of any state in the union? Florida. 
This strategy is on yeah. full fucking display down there because they have been trying to privatize the Florida educational system to great success, mind you. Like for the last, of I course. don't know, like fucking decade at this point. Uh, Betsy DeVos is like in absolute heaven down there in the Everglades or mm. wherever. Mm-hmm. God, I forgot about that psycho. That God, bitch what should a... die. Yeah, it's Wait, I'll never forget about her. I, every time I'm in Holland, Michigan, <laughs> I dump trash on her lawn. It's awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I think this is a regular. Take a big shit on her face. <laughs> yeah. lawn. Um, <laughs> the face of her lawn. That, that's a good pet theory, Brian. I think it has a lot of, that holds some water. Because um, mm. it's like, just in terms of general popularity, like I think that's the thing people often talk about with like all this anti-trans, anti-queer rhetoric mm. is it's like, it's just kind of a losing proposition if you want to like win popular votes, which, you know, the Electoral College does help with that and like gerrymandering that you don't, have to win a popular vote to gain power necessarily, but like there's just a lot of people who either don't care or are supportive, and so like you're preaching to a minority choir for sure. Right. I think I don't think it's actually working, um, mm-hmm. but I do think that might be kind of directly the point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also it helps to have a you know a scapegoat demonized for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I I just saw a tw- it was like a tweet from, but there's so few trans people in the world. And in America, and there's like, and we talked about this before uh, on an episode that like the amount of actually like trans kids seeking medical care is so few. Yeah, yeah. Like, who are you actually getting mad at? And who are you actually afraid of? And what, you know, again, I, I wanted to be clear on this because some people got a little mad at me or like confused by what I was trying to say. I'm not saying trans people aren't in danger or anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, Trans people are clearly, you know, being have have violent acts done against them, and all of the rhetoric is not helping uh, trans people be safe. But I'm saying, in aggregate, what ends up happening in in you know who actually get yells at more and the most is like teachers and and nurses and people trying to like treat kids. Um, the actual kids aren't, you know, are. Yeah, I'm not trying to say one is worse than the other well, is all I'm saying, but I'm saying that like I would imagine the idea was made up to to get teachers and and nurses uh demonized as mm-hmm. bad actors. Well, and yeah, cuz like teachers especially tend to be uh significantly more politically progressive than a lot of other professions probably because yeah. they see mm-hmm. kids from a lot of different backgrounds and they teach them and then they learn to treat them like human beings and then that informs their also, politics even if they're liberal or whatever. Yeah. Also they have to in interface with the fucking school system mm-hmm. which is so deeply racist. Yeah. And uh they're evil. also not paid very much. It's like Yeah. <laughs> and they're workers. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I don't know, like there's a certain type of like conservative in the U.S. that like never puts those pieces together where they're like, if you have a career path that like pays less for a similar amount of education to like a lot of other career paths, like the only people who do it will be people who are just like dedicated and passionate enough about that career path to like care about the people involved, which in this case is children. So it's like like, social workers. Yeah. It's like there's not a lot of fucking libertarian social workers because it's like (laughs) you could fucking like start a libertarian YouTube channel where you uh, try to do citizens arrest on cops and make more (laughs) money than you would as a social worker, probably, even if you get like 200 subscribers. If you ever see a social worker who is like over 30, like buy them dinner. Like my sister was a social worker for a year (laughs) and a half and it destroyed her and she quit in tears. 
uh, it's mm-hmm. it's awful. That's how <laughs> basically every social worker I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like a very high turnaround job. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, before we get out of here, um, let's talk about how Western journalists are a little bit mad at the Taliban. Uh, they are saying <laughs> okay. they're saying Afghanistan is kicking opium the most dangerous way it can. Cold turkey with no plan B. Or this headline from Financial. Um, what the fuck is this? FP. What is FP? N opinion. Uh, foreign policy. Maybe. Foreign policy. Wow, that's an insane fucking headline. Yeah. How the Taliban's what, 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 war on what drugs. Outlet? <laughs> Taliban poppy bans put yeah. Europe on fentanyl alert. The Taliban successful <laughs> opium ban is bad for Afghans and the world. And these all come from Seth Harp, by the way, who is aggregating these. The Fort Bragg reporter guy who I rely on pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. Um, and Shout he's basically just saying. Politico, foreign policy. Mm-hmm. I don't recognize this one. What is this weird wheat thing? Seems fascist. <laughs> William Byrd, PhD. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like the next one. Oh, yeah. Wall Street Journal. Taliban's opium crackdown piles pressure on spiraling Afghan economy. The Taliban doesn't know how to manage an economy. They have decided not (laughs) to sell the drug plant anymore. The absolute fools. (laughs) If they were savvy (laughs) like the Sacklers, they wouldn't have made this rookie mistake. (laughs) This is so insane. (laughs) Who are they saying they should sell it to? Just like sell it illegally? No, to us. The whole reason we went to fucking Iraq. I guess so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Afghanistan, yeah, Afghanistan, which also had nothing to do with 9-11. Yeah. Because yeah. we did 9-11 yeah. <laughs> to ourselves. And the Taliban is like, look, we don't care that it's a pillar of our economy. We have decided that uh, actually growing and selling something that is primarily used as a hard drug is bad. Rare Taliban W for being correct about that one. But they're right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so they're like, we're gonna stop, and they made the principled move. Yeah, I mean, even if even <laughs> if uh, you started off as a CIA cutout or funded mm-hmm. CIA funded uh, organization, eventually you're gonna start making choices that are for your own best interest. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when the CIA abandons you and starts funding ISIS, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> if it even exists. Yeah, you're not the golden boy anymore, so you gotta. <laughs> Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and uh, get rid of the CIA's heroin and find your own way to make money. <laughs> when the U.S. government yeah, just flies by night out of the country and sends the only general left in the city a note that says, we are at the airport in Kabul, and then they leave abruptly. And the Taliban takes <laughs> over. That. They do, and they don't have any choice. They say, we're not doing poppies anymore. And actually, we think Twitter is better than threads. They also came out recently. The Taliban <laughs> has announced their support really? for uh, Twitter saying that Elon Musk's Twitter <laughs> rules are much less restrictive on hate speech and they really appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> are you being serious? Yeah, that's what they that's said. Joke, it, right? They said Twitter doesn't have an intolerant policy like Meta because they want to post mm-hmm. things that are hate speech and Meta is like, you can't do that. And Twitter's like, we love it when you do that. And the Taliban's like, this mm-hmm. Elon guy is thinking with both brain cells we love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah threads i haven't actually really been on threads this is psychotic yeah from what i hear it's mostly posts like uh heinz ketchup saying like we are dabbing on some french fries and then <laughs> netflix is like save us a fry or something and then i guess if you're in the taliban you just get banned yeah you can't be in the taliban you gotta be a brand 
<laughs> well, the yeah. Taliban, the brand is weak. I yeah. gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they probably lost their. They don't even have one of those yellow check marks of uh, the piss yellow official ones that Elon rolled out. Mm. Those are so funny. Yeah, so it's <laughs> they're so expensive. It says members of the like, Taliban yeah. began joining Twitter in earnest back in 2020 to reach an international English-speaking audience. And this Taliban member says, quote, the Taliban wanted to counter their propaganda, uh, the U.S.'s propaganda, and said, and that's why we too focus ourselves on Twitter. Social media is a powerful tool to change public perception. And I remember this because like, yeah. it wasn't that long after they all got on Twitter that we started getting articles like, People in uh, Taliban-controlled Afghanistan are not happy with nine-to-five jobs in the office. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you find, bro? Uh, there's just a there's a Twitter called Islamic like at Islamic Emirat Emirati. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the bio says, "Stay connected with Emirate Islama Urdu to get the latest and authentic news of Af- Afghanistan." Um, I, I got here by googling Taliban. Uh, and they retweet Taliban updates. Okay. I didn't really know what it is. I was just laughing because uh, they have like a little sign that says like, click the bell as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little hand clicking the bell. Yeah, no one is immune. Even the Taliban has got to tell you to like, I'm not sure this subscribe. is the Taliban. I don't think that's the yeah. Taliban. Well, hey, guys, they would. welcome to my sure YouTube channel. Today, we're going to be talking about my top five fatwas against infidels. We're, but before we start, remember <laughs> to click like and subscribe and click the bell so you don't miss when I get a new video up about Islamic law. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to go to the <laughs> Imam <Number> five. now. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, there is no God but Allah. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, we're going with Salman Rushdie just because it was the most famous one in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it recently had a follow-up. He got stabbed in the face uh, as part of the fatwa. So, you know, that one really it kept going. Yeah, like, it just, was, you just want to say he deserved it still. Great follow-through. <laughs> Big <Yeah>. infidel, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we don't have four other fatwas to go through because we're not that knowledgeable, but we will do the homework and get back to you. So thank you so much for listening to your beep beep for the week. Uh, we, we love you. And if you want to check out our other content, I have a show about labor. If you want to hear more about all of that strike shit, it's called Work Stoppage. If you want to check out Bryn's show, it's about TV and movies and other videos. It's called Generation Laws. And if you want to check out Todd's shop, it's called Doomer.shop. And uh, as always, yeah, we love and you. Uh, listen cool. to my listen to my uh, new song. My band Stay Inside oh, yeah. put out a new song. Uh, it's right. called The Backyard. It's on all the places to listen to. And, uh, you know, follow our socials because we'll have more music where that came from. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, did you want to promo your card? You got your card drop? No, 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 no. It's OK. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then uh, uh, if you. If you want to hear us talk about cards, you can find it. You can figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, do your own homework yet again. Anyway, uh, as always, we love you. Stay high. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.